There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Rather, it's positive or negative. Have swept the twins. Minnesota Sports Chat has you covered. Talking nothing but Minnesota sports all year long. Rah! It's time now for the soon to be award winning, if only in his own mind, Minnesota Sports Chat with your host, Ross Brendel. Here we go with edition number 194 of the soon to be award winning. Minnesota Sports Chat, presented by Beans Coffee Company. Use the promo code SPORTSCHAT at coffeebybeans.com when you nab some of that great-tasting coffee this holiday season. A reminder, please tell your family and friends all about this podcast. Rate and review kindly on Apple and Spotify. And make sure you subscribe to Minnesota Sports Chat on the YouTube machine. That brings us to this pod, and unfortunately, yeah, I said unfortunately, it is the Minnesota Golden Gophers Review and Preview Edition with Daniel House from GophersGuru.com and Daniel House MN on the X Machine, only because I am contractually obligated to do so at this point. Got him out of the state of Texas, and here he is. Now, Paul, nice move. Got him, Paul. Looking downfield, Card a touchdown. That's why you go get him. Dion Burks was behind the defense. That stupid train whistle. But I thought our defensive line played extremely hard. I think when you look at kind of the front seven, there were some guys uh, that are gaining experience. You know, maybe out of gap here and there. But I thought the D line. I mean, they got after it. Maybe a little bit over aggressive at times. Maybe a little bit of lack of detail. The fundamental stuff was good, but the lack of detail where I think we're trying to make a play because at some point, like somebody's trying to, you know, take over, say, okay, I'm going to stop the bleeding here. I thought they played really hard up front. I think, you know, when you have some inexperienced linebackers in there, I think our under coverage and under run fit, meaning that level right there was, wasn't, wasn't very good, wasn't up to the standard. Uh, but that was to be expected. Now, again, not accepted, but it was expected uh, when, when you put people in there haven't played a ton or haven't played at all. But again, that investment's worth it. And it's unfortunate that happened, truly. And that falls on me because I make those decisions of who goes in games. I don't really um, necessarily know where to start. When we did this uh, review preview edition last week, I believe I brought it up that I thought the Gophers would win. But obviously, with what we've seen all year long, I wouldn't have been shocked if they lost. I know the defense has been very leaky at times this year. I will say uh, resistance is futile. I was very surprised at how inept that defense looked. And I get their down players uh, injuries at the onset of the game that hurt them. I just really did not expect what we saw last Saturday in West Lafayette, a place that at times for the Gophers, Daniel House, it's been a bit of a house of horrors at times for the Gophers, which is kind of incredible because there isn't typically much of an environment there, but there was this past Saturday, and those that made it to ross Aid Stadium were very happy with their Boilermakers. So what say you out of the gate, Daniel House? Yeah, defensively, one of those performances where you go back and look at the film and you see players that 
haven't played very much, like Tyler Stolsky, Matt Kingsbury, getting in there for the first time. And Graham Harrell put together a scheme that exploited the players that Minnesota is trying to get experience with right now. You look at the counter game, what they were able to do with those pulling guards, and you got to fit all that up. You got to get off of blocks. A tough task in the Big Ten, uh, altering eye discipline. They run that uh, fake double swing screen and they leak the tight end out on a delay. Then, you know, they run the RB scene, the classic seven on seven football play where you've got corner routes occupying the two deep safeties and you got the running back leaking up the seam, which exploited the linebacker, uh, linebacker who's isolated. I mean, it was good scheme by Graham Harrell. Like you need to give credit to coordinators when they put together a good scheme and the players execute it. Minnesota's just got to figure out the, the linebacker position. That the depth there is not adequate. I mean, some of it's out of their control with Cody Windenberg getting hurt. Then Maverick gets hurt, which I thought altered the game significantly. And then you look back, you know, people forget Derek with captain got hurt. He could have potentially been a player in the mix here to help. You had uh, Donald Willis and Braylon Oliver both transfer. Uh, that room has been hit with some turnover related to transfer portal and injury. And now we're kind of seeing the result of that. And then Darius Green also learning Coleman Bryson's in the game, trying to fit the run at the safety spot. I mean, it's just defensive football is interconnected, Ross, to the point where when the second level is making mistakes, the third level is going to be making hero plays. And then they're going to maybe be pressing and out of position. Like there are definitely moments where guys are trying to do too much you're trying to overcompensate for other mistakes and when that happens uh you, you're not going to be successful big plays are going to follow another thing that the uh, coach went on to mention in his weekly presser on monday by the way thanks to uh go for sports on youtube for that uh audio also thanks to nbc for the game highlights from Purdue in Minnesota. The coach went on to talk about, Hey, look, you know, and he, and he says this a lot, you know, it falls on me when we go down the list of players, I'm the one that decides who goes in and who doesn't. And this is probably more of an end of the year conversation, but he also went on to talk about, you know, forget what college football was three years ago that that's changed. And I 100% agree with him. He's not lying. To a degree, I largely sympathize with him. I think a lot of the issues at the University of Minnesota, he's a part of them. He's not all of them, especially when you talk about the last 50, 60 years of go for football. However, I will say this. I, I think his game style this year has largely cost them a handful of games. Illinois, Northwestern. I know execution is you like to talk about. Daniel plays mm -hmm. a role in that. But when he starts going down the list talking about, well, we're short on these players, we're short on this, and you know, it's it's not it's not an excuse or what what's the phrase he's been using the last week or two? It's not an excuse, it's reasons or whatever, mm -hmm. but it's you know, it's not acceptable. I, you know, I get that. I really do. But just because the games change doesn't mean you can't change with it. Or and I'm not saying they weren't proactive, but you couldn't right you could have done a better job. And I think maybe you're seeing this now and I hope they use this as a learning lesson going into the off season just to maybe, and again, you can't predict where all injuries are going to come from. So I know I'm talking out of two sides of two sides of my mouth, 
But I do, as a fan, I do get a little upset and a little offended when he talks about, well, don't compare us to three years ago because the game's changed. It has, but it's your job to change with it and make sure the program is in the best situation. So, uh, again, I largely sympathize with him, but I I have in the last few weeks, and this is what happens when you lose, I'm just starting to get more frustrated at the same time. And House, I don't believe I'm going to be less frustrated by 6.30 on Saturday night because it's college football. I'm not saying the Gophers won't beat Ohio State, but I'm saying the odds are very, very, very slim. Well, and I mean, that's a reflection that the that Fleck is going to have to do in the offseason. I wrote that in my piece this week about landscapes changed. Uh, you've had, you know, a couple years here to kind of navigate. I thought, you know, they they were able to nail the portal several times to bring in impact players this year, you know, a couple portal hits didn't occur. Uh, you got to start to think about how you're going to build depth. What's your approach moving forward? How do you build your roster? What positions do you value the NIL component? Uh, how does that tie in retaining acquiring talent? What's your strategy? I thought a lot about this in my head. Uh, ways that you could potentially do, you know, some things differently when it comes to positional value. But I, I view it as, you know, soul searching, innovation, thinking outside the box is going to be a huge thing this offseason from a roster building standpoint. And I, I don't even think it's just the football program. Administration has to sit down and go, you know, what resources do, do this football program need to be successful? What can be done with to conquer the beast of NIL, transfer portal, recruiting, the player acquisition side of it? You need to pump resources. And it's getting to the point where it's like NFL scouting, Ross. You, you need to have like a, a scouting department that just looks at the portal and four-year recruiting and finds these players, uh, not just at the power five level, but some of these FCS and group of five players that are ascending. I almost think that the resource conversation needs to be, that doesn't get talked about a lot, but resources are definitely uh, something that needs to be looked at this off season too. Well, and again, I'll talk out of both sides of my mouth. I think the resources part is incredibly important. Again, when you talk about the mm-hmm. university of Minnesota, really not appearing anywhere on a large national level since 1967. However, I would say I've also, we've also heard resources as an excuse for go for football my entire lifetime. And, and again, maybe not an excuse. Again, this is why I will side with the coach. Maybe not an excuse. It's a reason. So then my pushback would be house. We may just be barking up a tree where nobody's up the tree willing to listen because This might just be a university where they may continue to put on the front that they care about athletics, but they also might really not. I think in my lifetime, Daniel, I think the president that seemingly cared the most about athletics and understood it was Joan Gable, who was here just long enough for her coffee to turn lukewarm. And now she's already gone. So, I mean, I look at who's the next president coming in and where do they value athletics? I think that's a big part of it. That's I brought that up to somebody the other day. You got a president search happening right now. Uh, some change there. Uh, you know, you got to figure out. You got a president search. You got nil. You got transfer portal. You got realignment happening next year. You're navigating a gazillion different things, and you know the whole landscape of things when when versus PJ when he's hired here to where it is now. Not just on the you know 
NIL transfer portal side of it, but style of play, where the game has gone. Um, it's, I tell you, I sat down today and I was thinking about this going, I, I when I started doing this, what football looked like to where it is now. I mean, there, there's, it's cool. The innovation side of it, where like I'm sitting down watching Ryan day today going, man, they were a prominently outside zone team. They still run a little bit of that, but this orbit motion package they're putting in with the counter schemes that they have. Oh my gosh. It's so cool to see what that does to defenses. See, and now though, you're getting me more frustrated. I wanted to turn <laughs> back to Purdue and ask you a Purdue related question. But when you talk about the evolution of college football, where the game has gone and what the Ohio state offense is doing, I think into my head, the evolution of gopher football in the PJ Fleck regime and the offense looks more stagnant, less creative than it ever has. I mean, he, I get it. He had the talent, but again, talents on him. He's the coach and he'll be the first to tell you that it was a fun aerial attack. The, the second and third year that he was here and we've seen nothing similar to that since, you know, so that, Again, that man, it sounds like I'm super negative on him, and I'm not. By the way, I'm one of those people that thinks if you're out calling for the head coach's head, give me all the other solutions because changing a coach is not going to fix what's happening at the University of Minnesota. Now, if you have another, I don't like using the word embarrassing because I don't play for the team, but if you have another embarrassing year next year following this one up, okay, maybe we can have that conversation, but I'm not ready to have that conversation now, especially when house here, here's what I will pivot and transition to. Let's say the Gophers lose to Ohio state. They come home. They have a winnable game against Wisconsin. At this point, I'm not even willing to say that they'll win that game, but mm -hmm. let's say they do. Let's say they finish six and six, throw out that they were rivalry wins, but you got to six and six. You're more than likely, I believe, you would still go to a bowl game. I know you're bowl eligible. It all depends on how many teams go. There's actually a chance an insane amount of Big Ten teams could be eligible this year. So let's say they go for six and six, wind up in the quick lane bowl. At this point of the year, Daniel House, aside from getting another win or two, how important is the bowl game to the coach in the university? It, it's huge from a player development standpoint. I mean, you're looking at where this roster's at. I like this recruiting class that's coming in, this this most recent one that's that's here right now, getting reps behind the scenes on Sundays. That extra practice time is pivotal to be able to get those players additional reps, continue coaching, focus on the fundamentals, the techniques, all the things that you need to do to springboard yourself into the spring. So I am a huge believer in the importance of bowl games. No matter what bowl game you're playing in, you should always uh, be happy to get in one because it's good for the program overall long term. Okay, one question on Purdue, then we'll segue just a little bit into Ohio State, some other stuff around the Big Ten. And then uh, I was negligent in my duties this week to put on other pods. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit of Vikings with you towards the end. How does a team that struggled offensively is bruised and battered offensively? No matter what you're putting out on defense, how do they have over 600 total yards and 353 rushing yards? I, I tweeted during the game and I have not come off this opinion. That looked an awful lot like the game that got Rob Smith fired. I mean, they couldn't do any, they couldn't do anything. 
I don't I don't think it was that bad. I think that there were, you Ooh. know, this this was not a schematic issue. That was that was a schematic. There were large sale problems there. I this is a this is a personnel depth, you know, young player related issue where I think, you know, got to be able to fit up the runs. You got to you got to, you know, Joe Rossi brought it up this week like, you know, you don't see one thing, you see everything when you get out on the field as a linebacker in the Big 10 for the first time. You, you feel like, you know, you can rep it all the time. You can be, you know, semi-prepared, but until you get in the game and actually execute it, you know, you're going to, you're going to make mistakes and that leads to big plays. And then the yardage gets up there. And I mean, honestly, it was like weird because you watch that game back and I'm like midway through the third quarter, you know, it's 35 to 20, I believe it's fourth and five there. Uh, you know, if you're able to hold the edge and get a stop there, you know, I don't know, maybe you're able to get something going, but I felt like the offense coming out of, you know, sec- coming into the second half there, you know, you get a couple three and outs. Uh, the defense gets a stop at a halftime. Like, you got to be able to sustain some sort of drive there. I mean, it's there's layers to this where there's there's execution lapses everywhere where plays are there to be made. I see that a lot on offense. Plays are there to be made. It's drop pass. It's ball placement it's it's executing a fundamental it's a pass protection rep i mean it, it's just consistency stuff man i think i i think that uh it, it, people just gotta kind of bear with it because this is where the roster's at right now well we won't get to it today daniel but a lot of what you just touched on more inconsistency on offense quarterback threw for 292 yards and three touchdowns but he was only 18 for 42 had some costly drops, and again, the offense not nearly as effective in the second half as they were in the first half. That's been a year-long theme. Looking ahead to Saturday, Daniel, have you looked at our favorite uh, matchup predictor indicator that ESPN puts out just for, uh, we'll call it kicks and giggles to keep it PG? I haven't looked at all. Do you want to take a guess at the percentage per ESPN that the Gophers can knock off Ohio State on Saturday? And by the way, if the Gophers do beat Ohio State, I don't think that eliminates them from winning the national championship as long as Ohio State turns around the following week and beats Michigan. So maybe Ohio State will overlook the Gophers. That would be helpful. You want to guess that percentage? 14. Oh, you're optimistic. 2.9% per the ESPN matchup predictor. So my question to you, if this game on Saturday at 3 o'clock is played 100 times, in theory, the Gophers win three of them. How can this Saturday be one of those three times? And I'm fighting back laughter as I'm asking the question. But again, I, look, I don't believe it'll happen. I, I think maybe the Gophers maybe could be pesky for a bit, and Ohio State will eventually pull away and win easily. But it's college football. Ohio State lost a handful of years ago to a really bad Purdue team. So it, it can happen. It's not likely. If it is going to happen, this is where it becomes less PG. Daniel, how the hell will the Gophers have done it? Execution's got to be perfect. You can't make mistakes. Any opportunity that's available, such as a takeaway, uh, big play to be made, got to make the play. It, it's it's the game where you have to put all the puzzle pieces together and play complimentary football. Uh, you know, defending the middle of the field, they've been really, really, really good at attacking the middle of the field. And that's been an area where the Gophers haven't been tight enough with their – third level depth 
and then zone underneath coverage has been inconsistent and erratic as well. So middle of the field is what I'm watching. I mean, gosh, the versatility of this offense, Ross, I mean, you're able to move Marvin Harrison's playing like 6% more slot snaps than he did last year. And he's thriving in that area. He's got four touchdowns out of there. You got Emeka Buka, uh, his quickness and the ability out of the slot, dynamic player, Cade Stover, the tight end. You got Xavier Johnson, who's been aligned in the backfield, getting some carries and running some routes out of the backfield, even as a wide receiver. Travion Henderson, dynamic acceleration as a back, great contact balance. Uh, and the things that, like I mentioned, Ryan Day's been doing in the run game, you can read about that on the website. We talk a lot about the offense of Ohio State, but that defense is playing extremely well. Uh, Ferrari-like speed in the secondary, uh, physicality along the line of scrimmage to get off blocks. Jim Knowles disguising coverage pictures. I mean, that's going to be the big thing in this game. Ethan Calignanis is going to be tested from a mental standpoint because it's like showing a look and then bluffing out into it, disguising it. Uh, you're going to see a lot of coverage picture changes. I encourage you to go over to the website and check out the breakdown. I'm talking about all the coverage disguise stuff that Minnesota has to be ready for in this game. The website is gophersguru.com. Daniel is on the X machine at Daniel House MN. I am on the X machine at the Ross Brendel. Okay, so say the Gophers don't win the game. What is realistically a good goal for Saturday? I would say it's as simple as this. Get out as healthy as you can and get out having the highest opinion of yourself as you can so you feel good the week heading into Wisconsin where no matter what your record is, it's always going to be important to beat Wisconsin. And the Wisconsin game, no matter how bad or how little the Gophers lose to Ohio State, really, hopefully, won't change my opinion that the Gophers can and maybe still borderline should beat Wisconsin to round out the regular season and become bowl eligible. Is that a good goal, Daniel House, if you're not going to win the game? Which, by the way, as I think everybody can surmise, I do not believe that they will. You just got to come out, play hard, man. I mean, that's that's really all you can do. Try your, try your best with the schemes that you put in, focused on player development, another opportunity to get players experience that will benefit the program into the future, play in a cool environment against a really good team. I mean, I'm one of these people that loves just watching high quality coaching, high quality talent, how a team like Minnesota will approach scheming for a game like this when there's a talent gap. I mean, there's NFL talent everywhere on this Ohio State team. What are you going to do to try to minimize that? How are you going to, you know, attack potential weaknesses, minimize your weaknesses uh, and just, you know, put your players in the best position to succeed? So I guess I, I look at the game a little bit differently from that that side of it. So I have the Big Ten schedule in front of me, Daniel, for this upcoming weekend. It's pretty nasty. You know, I, I won't lie. It's not the it's not the sexiest slate of the year. But of course, the following week should be pretty darn nice. You have Michigan at Maryland. Jim Harbaugh will not be coaching. He is going to honor his three game suspension. That news broke on this record date of Thursday, November 16th. Rutgers is at Penn State, Michigan State at Indiana, Purdue at Northwestern. Illinois at Iowa, of course, Minnesota and Ohio State, Nebraska and Wisconsin. Could that be the best game of the day in the Big Ten on Saturday night? 
Yeah, I think that that game will be entertaining than Illinois and Iowa as well, because uh, Illinois, I mean, I, I feel like they're they're playing better ball right now. Uh, what type of scheme are they going to put together here? Is Altmeyer playing or is Paddock going to go? I mean, he kind of indicated Altmeyer would on SiriusXM and then backpedaled a bit, saying he wasn't sure what was going to happen. So, you know, Cooper DeGene out for the season for Iowa with that lower leg injury. Uh, what does a secondary look like after a huge, huge loss like that? Uh, we'll soon find out. Uh, I guess those two games will have a ripple effect on how bowl placement comes out. I mean, they, there's some huge bowl placement implication games this weekend for a team like Minnesota trying to figure out where they're going to be heading. If well, they can get one more win or with five with the APR being able to still get in possibly. Well, and the, with the APR too. So to your point, Daniel, you go well if Wisconsin and Northwestern don't get to six wins. That should be helpful. Not so much because if you looked at the APR, both Wisconsin and Northwestern are ahead of Minnesota in the APR and both have five wins. So depending on right. how many slots are available, the Gophers may need to find that sixth win. But Daniel, to your point, Northwestern's going to have two cracks at getting to six or seven wins, potentially, if they can win yep. this weekend. They get Purdue at home. They can obviously For win sure. that game. Wisconsin can get to win number six with Nebraska. By the way, if Wisconsin loses and Minnesota loses, not only is the axe on the line, there is that bowl game, bowl game trip for the teams and a lot of, uh, I guess, talking points for the coaches. Luke Fickle and PJ Fleck, if that comes to fruition. Want to remind everybody about Beans Coffee Company. I've been talking about them for, I think, over a year now on this podcast. You guys know how much I love them, but most importantly, how much I appreciate their support of Minnesota Sports Chat and your support of Minnesota Sports Chat and Beans Coffee Company by consuming this stuff. I can't believe it's the holiday season. I mean, I can. I love this time of year, but also at the same time, Hard to believe that we're knocking on the door Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, all the holidays right around the corner. It's a good reminder that coffee makes a great holiday gift, maybe a stocking stuffer. Order by the bag or even set up a coffee subscription at coffeebybeans.com. Light roast, medium roast, dark roast, caffeine-free, decaf we called in the business, cold brew. Beans Coffee Company has something for everybody. Check them out, coffeebybeans.com, promo code SPORTSCHAT, free shipping on all orders of $35 or more. That's coffeebybeans.com. Use the promo code SPORTSCHAT to save at checkout. Earlier this week with Jesse Pierce and Judd Zolgad on Purple Dailies, Before I Die, Daniel House, I made the point watching the Minnesota Vikings. This is the most fun I've had in a long time. And what I and specifically, Daniel, probably since 2017. And what I mean by that is that this really should not be interpreted as a dig at the team or a dig at Kirk Cousins or anybody. It's just fun to sit back and watch a game. And if the team wins, you go, wow, that's great. And if the team loses, you go, well, I mean, they are playing with a backup quarterback who was on somebody else's roster three weeks ago. So what really did you expect? So. It's fun for me to watch these games hoping that the team wins, but you don't really feel that bad if they lose. You just kind of get what you get and you enjoy it. I'm having a ton of fun with this and with Joshua Dobbs or the pastronaut, rocket man, whatever you want to call him, what he's doing with the Minnesota Vikings through two games is nothing short of incredible. 
it's unreal to see what Kev's offense looks like with a dynamic quarterback that can extend a play, have some zone read in there, quarterback run stuff. You know, you can continue to add certain wrinkles based on his athletic ability. And buying that extra second gives you a lot of, lot of edge, especially when Justin Jefferson comes back. I mean, think about that. Arguably one of the best players in the, the best player in the NFL is not hasn't been available throughout all this. So you think about Jordan Addison getting a lot of attention right now when Justin Jefferson's able to come back the Reese coverage resource and the schemes change significantly. You got Hawk, you got KJ, you got Addison, you got Jefferson, plus you got the mobility of Josh Dobbs. I mean, there are a lot of possibilities ahead for Kevin that haven't even been shown yet because one of the best players in the league is, is not available. So I can't wait to see what happens when Jefferson gets back on the field. Well, part of what's been the most impressive to me in this five-game winning streak is you've done it with multiple quarterbacks now, down multiple bodies. And then look at the most recent victories. TJ Hawkinson is very banged up. You have Jordan Addison, but the wide receivers are basically Jalen Naylor recently, Tristan Jackson, I believe. I may even be butchering that. And then Brandon Powell, and you're getting nothing from the running game other than the quarterback's been able to to run a bit. It's really incredible what they are doing as a team. And this is, you know, a little bit oversimplifying it or, or or maybe being a bit too rah-rah, but just that they're playing for each other and truly every player and every play matters. And that factors into the fun element of watching this team play. And Oh, by the way, Brian Flores, I believe now is a a defense that I, I can't believe I'm saying this. They're statistically in the top half. They're a top, 15 defense. This was a team last year, again, largely schematically, but still a lot of the same players couldn't stop anybody. So I think that speaks to the brilliance and the smarts of Brian Flores, or as the kids like to call him, B-Flow. He's fun to watch as a coach. I mean, gosh, you look at Cam Bynum, Josh Metellus, uh, DJ Wanham, some of these players that have ascended under him. It, and Makai Blackman making a ton of progress. Uh, Going to get a lot more snaps now with uh, Caleb Evans hurt. Makai, I felt in the pre-draft process, is going to be a very good man cover corner just because of the traits and his ability to mirror. He's such a fluid mover. And you're starting to see those traits mesh up with the fundamentals, the comfort level in the scheme, improve as the season goes on. There are a lot of players that, have ascended under Brian Flores and it's a credit to the fundamentals of coaching and then the scheme stuff. I mean, gosh, I just giggle at some of these fronts that Brian Flores puts out like (laughs) defensive linemen in in weird spots, uh, you know, people mugging in certain areas like it, the quarterbacks get up to the line of scrimmage and they go, what in the world? And then you show pressure and bluff out of it and, some Tampa two invert stuff that he's doing in the back end that puts safeties in, in really cool spots and, and changes the coverage picture. I mean, people have no idea how hard it is to play quarterback against this defensive scheme because it's so exotic and they'll show so many different things. Well, and Judd Zolgad's talked about this a lot on the purple daily pods with Josh Metellus. You really don't know what he's doing. Is he playing safety? Is he playing linebacker? Is he blitzing? Is he not blitzing? You know, Judd has petitioned Judd told Chip Scoggins today, they should call it the 44 defense because it, it basically all does 
to a degree center around what Josh Metellus is doing. And I think if you would have said that to anybody going into the year, I think everybody would have said, well, one of two things, either a you're crazy or B this must be a really bad defense. Uh, Turns out it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's again, you know, finding the players that fit your scheme and then maximizing what they do best, putting them in position that not just looking at your scheme and saying, I got to have a specific player that does this where, you know, Flow has done a good job is like, you know, this guy can do this. Let's put him in this situation. You know, not trying to jam square peg into round hole here. I mean, it, the schemes have been different, though. You know, there's weeks where they blitz the heck out of the quarterback. Then there's weeks where they show blitz and, and bluff out and change the picture on the quarterback. And that's kind of the style that you you navigate based on the quarterback you're playing, the scheme you got, what their personnel looks like. Uh, defense has been fun to watch. There are a lot of cool things that you can take away. If you're a coaching guy, you're an analyst that you could apply to your team because Brian Flores is, is ultra, ultra creative with, I think personnel, it's not even that, you know, I mean, they don't have elite, elite personnel on that side of the ball at all. You know, they're, they're getting it done with limited talent. Let's finish where we started. What is at gophersguru.com? Why do people need to sign up? Why do they need to check out the work? This week was fun on the site, going through some of the things that Purdue did to attack Minnesota's defense, how the Gophers can improve, what they're facing right now from a personnel standpoint, uh, what, what fans can expect there offensively, uh, looking at how they melded three passing concepts together into one and had some success with it featuring Brevin Span Ford. You can check those two breakdowns out. And then a large, large Ohio State preview with a lot of film cuts in there. So $5 a month gets you access to the website and check out all the premium content. Housey, a very happy Thanksgiving and holiday season to you and yours. I will uh, send a sidebar text with you and we'll figure out how to navigate the holiday and axe week so we can do our review and preview edition at some point next week. All right. Sounds good, man. Looking forward to it. All right. Stuff your face with that great food. Okay. No, you too, man. Have a good, have a good holiday. That is at Daniel house MN on the X machine. Don't forget that website. Gophersguru.com. My thanks to Daniel house. My thanks to you for joining Minnesota sports chat each and every pod. Again, please rate and review kindly. Please tell your family and friends and don't forget to find Minnesota sports chat on the YouTube machine. That will do it for this edition. I'm Ross Brendel saying thank you so much. We'll talk again real soon.